Hello everyone, welcome to Risk Roundup. Crisis and catastrophe can happen anywhere, anytime, to anyone. It strikes without any warning. It can occur in just very few seconds, are very personal. These attacks that happen are very personal and no one has any immunity from it. Anyone and everyone are under attack today. As a result, security is becoming a very complex challenge. Be it cyber attacks or terrorist attacks, natural disaster or man-made disaster, the time has come when everyone across nations need to evaluate how best to be prepared for attacks from all contested commons. Since nature of security is changing rapidly, everyone is accountable for their own security crisis and security risk. As a result, it is imperative that we all understand the importance of personal preparedness. Since personal preparedness lessens the impact on individuals, families, communities, and entities across nations, its government, industries, organizations, and academia, to discuss personal preparedness further, I'm delighted to welcome James A. Demio to Risk Roundup. And James is a recognized cyber, uh, cybersecurity and security professionals, and the security magazine has uh, announced him as one of the most influential people in security in, I think, 2017, if I'm not uh, wrong on that uh, year. He's also the author of the best-selling book on family safety and preparedness entitled, What's Your Plan? It's a step-by-step -step guide to keep your family safe during emergency situations, any kind of emergency situation. So welcome, James. We're delighted to have you on Risk Roundup. Delighted to be here as well. Thank you so much, Doctor. Wonderful, James. So irrespective of uh, whether we are talking about the crisis originating from cyberspace or geospace, knowing what to do before, during and after an attack is a critical plan of being prepared. So from your assessment, what different attack variables that we need to be aware about today, you know, irrespective of whether we are individuals or whether we are family or whether we are entities, small, medium, large? Absolutely. Obviously, the challenges continue on a daily basis for security leaders. Having these uh, collaborations give us the ability to share information, knowledge, and training, uh, certainly within confined spaces. But looking at family preparedness, the ability to get out in front of challenges, knowing exactly what to do when faced with true emergency situations, again, tactically places families in a very good position to deal with these types of challenges. So as you mentioned, certainly the, the ever-evolving uh, threat continuum is ongoing, and it gives us, you know, obviously the ability to share information, to get out in front, and certainly having a proactive risk mitigation uh, mindset places families in the best position possible to deal with these types of scenarios. No, that's very true, and you made a good point that we have to share the information. And uh, sharing that information, what exactly do you mean by that? I mean, sharing before, uh, you know, telling everyone where you are going to be or if you are talking about event security or, you know, sharing information about our passwords or anything. If you are on uh, Internet, what kind of uh, sharing information that you are recommending? Well, certainly for families, understand, understanding, obviously, know, knowing what they're going to do when they're in particular spaces. As an example, on a weekend, if you're going to your place of worship, is kind of creating a pre-planned response on what you would do if you were faced with an active shooter or an active assailant situation within your place of worship. If you're going to a stadium venue or arena on a weekend, as an example, knowing exactly what you would do, fully charged cell phones, special code word for your family, knowing exactly how you got into the venue, how you're gonna get out, having a predetermined meeting place. And I always advise, obviously, if there is a, 
a true emergency situation to follow law enforcement's guidance. But certainly, doctor, we're seeing uh, 2017 FBI stats talking about the first 10 to 15 minutes, active shooter situation, bad stuff is over before the good guys get on scene. Fast forward the clock to today during this conversation, we're looking at a five to seven, seven to nine minute window. Looking at corporate environments in 2018 FBI stats, we're talking about 60% of active assailant situations are happening within corporate settings. So the ability to have workplace violence preparedness training is important. Um, and again, I wrote this book two years ago. People say to me, James, your book is ever so timely. And I say in my security mind, it was timely two years ago when I wrote it. So having the ability to have these conversations, certainly getting past the fear factor, empowering families on knowing exactly what they're going to do when faced with true emergency situations. Again, that goes back to sharing information. So we work with our law enforcement partners, our JTTF, the marshals, the terrorism task force folks, but we also want the American public to see something, say something, run, hide, fight, but also have them have that ability to know what to do again, when faced with these types of scenarios. No, I think you made some really interesting points here because it, it, it doesn't matter where you are going to be. It could be, you know, at a, a sports arena or a concert or, you know, place of worship or even, you know, in a business environment, you are just going to work and you never know, you know, what kind of crisis can, you know, emerge there. So for each and every kind of uh, place that you are going to be or, you know, nature of event you are going to be in, you need to know what you are going to do to uh, protect yourself and to communicate, share that information. So as we just, uh, as we are discussing, because there are many, so many different kinds of attacks that can happen. You are just sitting on a computer doing your work and someone could hack and, you know, somebody could steal your passwords and that could, you know, result into a very different kind of cyber attack, you know, cyber ransomware, cyber kidnapping, cyber terrorism, all kinds of things happen. You are going to work and uh, some, you know, if somebody is not happy, someone uh, is getting fired, you know, wants to get revenge and, you know, he would start, he or she would start shooting and at Temple, you know, all kinds of, you know, we are listening to all these news emerging and all kinds of attacks are happening everywhere. And each of these attacks are, you know, different and it has the nature of the attack is different. So for each type of attack, the preparation and communication strategy would be different, right? So how how do you recommend everyone prepare for any and all kinds of attacks? Are there some basic, you know, common preparations that would fit in for any kind of attack? Again, as I mentioned earlier, as a family, if you're going to, you know, a sporting event to take a look at the chapter, chapter one, as an example in my book, talks about, again, knowing how you got into the venue, knowing exactly where your, your car or your vehicle is parked, you know, seeing something that doesn't look right to you or out of the ordinary within that confined space. You know, terrorists look at choke points and bottlenecks, ingress points as you're entering the stadium, the ability, you know, meaning stadium security, the ability to get folks with it within those spaces in a timely manner. So we want to look at interior perimeters, exterior perimeters, but it's that, uh, obviously that, partnership, that working relationship between the well-educated fan and the folks that are in charge with their duty of care that work within those confined spaces. Everyone speaking the same language in the interest of public safety and sharing information within a timely manner. So obviously, you know, the world is conflicted. We look at 2020, we look at political instability in the U.S. We want to be mindful and cognizant of the lone wolf 
We want to be mindful and cognizant of individuals that are disenfranchised. You know, we look at the Vegas shooter, a black swan event. We look at the after action report. We see that there was over 600 radio transmissions. Uh, there wasn't enough paramedics, EMS for a mass casualty incident. So it's certainly a lessons learned, best practices viewpoint from first responders and security working within those spaces. And as I mentioned earlier, families understanding how to get past the fear factor, knowing exactly what they're going to do when faced with these types of scenarios. I really wish the two of us could say that these challenges are going away yesterday. Unfortunately, they're not. And we have to get out in front of these. And I always talk about education and knowledge is the antidote to fear. Fear is not an option and it's simply not part of the equation. So mm -hmm. we have these, you know, we have these collaborations. We talked before we, we went on the air here. I teach for Tulane University in the School of Professional Advancement through distance learning. I take great pride in, in training the future leaders that will go out and protect members of my family, your family. You're down in the Houston area. I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina. I take great pride in training these folks on these types of discussions on how they're going to lead people to safety during times of crisis. So again, it's ever evolving. Security is certainly needs to be looked at from an holistic standpoint, from the top to the bottom and vice versa. But again, key stakeholders sharing information, team leaders within workplace environments, sharing information with one another. If somebody in your office environment is having a bad day, take it upon yourself to share that information with somebody in human resources, share that with contracted security, share that with folks within that space and train, train, train. Because when we train consistently, what we do in a training scenario is how we're going to respond when confronted with a real life situation. I think you made some really excellent points because fear has absolutely no place in our life. We should be alert and we should fight back. We all have to think like soldiers and, you know, we cannot allow anyone to create that kind of fear and panic scenario. So you are very, you know, you're right on that. You know, we all have to take control of our lives and, you know, we have to be alert. We have to be vigilant and we have to observe everything, you know. So that observation skill, I think we have to start teaching children right from the, you know, elementary school. Family should, parents should teach their children. Teachers should teach their, you know, kids in school that, you know, we have to observe everything wherever we enter. First thing is we just take, you know, scan the entire, you know, room and see, you know, what is what, if there is something that is out of place and what we should be careful about. So th there is a lot that, you know, needs to change culturally in education system and, you know, even in how we raise our children. So that is, uh, you have made some really good points here. So as you and I have been talking, we know that nobody is immune from the security threats, you know, no matter how prepared every, anyone is or how knowledgeable someone is, but anybody could face, you know, these kind of challenges, this kind of attack. So how do we prepare? I mean, you have been telling, you know, that we all have to be prepared. We have to make communication plan. But are there any ready-made communication plan or, you know, are there any made uh, criteria or checklists that are available that families can use, businesses can use? Uh, have you addressed that in your book? I have actually. And, you know, unfortunately, so much has happened since 2017. Say, people say to me, James, you should write another book. We look at the fires. We look at the earthquakes. Yeah. You know, we look at, as you mentioned earlier, the challenges on our cyber and infrastructure. So certainly, you know, there's a, a great deal of technology out there, AI and, and certainly biometrics and iris scans. And, but we want to be cognizant of, you know, private, private uh, data, you know, privacy issues. But, you know, to answer your question, it, it, we really have to get past the fear. And the media does the best that they can to get the information out. 
I agree when there's an active shooter situation, they don't want to name the shooter. I totally agree with that. But at the same time, when we look at post Parkland and we look at the, the, possible, the possibility of the media's overexposure to an incident, uh, we look at the contagion or the copycat effect, the 13 days that follow an active shooter situation with the media's overexposure. Again, there could be somebody who's disenfranchised, who's fallen off the radar screen and wants to get attention for all the wrong reasons. So we have to find that balance. Some of my friends, they're ex-FBI agents, the smartest people you can imagine. They're on all the, the, the major news uh, you know, channels talking about motive. And you and I know when people talk about motive, that means something tragic has already happened. That is a reactionary response to something that we need to get out in front of. So again, having these conversations, educating, empowering, getting past the fear factor, places is in a position of strength as opposed to vulnerability. So mm -hmm. certainly moving forward, challenges continue on a daily basis. You know, again, I, I try to make every effort I can in a higher education vertical. I've been doing some training down here in Raleigh in terms of workplace violence, preparedness and awareness, awareness training. But it's a combination of the cyber folks and the physical security folks sharing information, utilize, utilizing our resources. Again, as I mentioned earlier, FBI, DHS, Secret Service, you know, obviously fusion centers. But it's those public-private partnerships that are so important you know, to share that information with the public, but also the public doing their homework, doing their due diligence, and knowing exactly what they're going to do when they're out in these places. Again, places that them in a good position to not have fear, but rather to be empowered during times of crisis. Sure, and I, I hear you, you know, and like you said, you know, things are changing on a daily basis. Um, we are having more cyber bullets, cyber attacks coming from, you know, cyberspace than we are having actually, you know, bullets uh, that we will see uh, in geospace. So, I mean, we see so many kinds of crimes happening, you know, cyber kidnapping and cyber, you know, uh, people's data just get locked and, you know, they are asked for ransomware and all that. So, uh, you you are recommending that we should, you know, share the information with all these law enforcement officials, but we don't have any structured system or framework by which it's easy for anybody to just share the information quickly. I mean, what can they do? Should they call 911 to share the information? Or there are what kind of infrastructure we have, digital or, you know, any other kind of infrastructure which everyone can use to quickly share the information because I just don't see that kind of system. Well, certainly it's a challenge, but see something, say something. So we want to make sure that obviously families have that situational awareness. They're paying attention to the world around them at all times. We know as much as we love technology, technology is how we're communicating right now. It could also be a disadvantage if we're looking at our smartphones and we're desensitized to the world around us. In 2017, my book is based on the premise of something that my son said to me when the lights went out in, in the mall in Durham, North Carolina. That was the infamous impetus, excuse me, for me to write this book because when the lights went out, what was everybody doing, doctor? They were looking down at their smartphones, completely desensitized to the world around them. In those kinds of scenarios, someone could pull the fire alarm. Someone could actually, and as you're exiting with that crowd mentality, you could literally run right into an active shooter situation. So it could be a series of events, not just run, hide, fight, but it could be a series of events that factor into, um, you know, obviously a situation where you know, you're confronted with these challenges. So again, we want to be cognizant of sharing information. We want to share information in a timely manner. Uh, you know, again, people say to me, James, you know, is it one, two, three, run, hide, fight? You could actually follow those steps. And, you know, in a, in a fight scenario, you could be 
confronted with the shooter directly head on. So you want to know what you're going to do before that kind of situation happens. Again, wherever you find yourself. And again, confined spaces are very, very concerning because we have a lot of people in a densely populated area. And we have to remember, especially in stadiums, that on exterior perimeters, they flow into entertainment zones. So we have mass transportation hubs. When I opened the Barclays Center with AEG in 2012, you can imagine 18,000 people coming out of the venue and then going into a mass transportation hub. So we want to be mindful of you know, bomb threats and drones and chemical and uh, radiological, uh, biological agents being dispersed within confined spaces. Again, a lot of people in a densely populated area, if these folks don't know what to do or the folks that are entrusted with their safety don't know how to lead them to a safe place in a timely manner, that's when we can have a crowd crush. That's when we can have a situation that becomes obviously uh, dangerous for many people within that space. Sure. No, I, I hear you. And I, if you remember a few months back, I think last year I had reached out to you the, after that event in Las Vegas, that why why are law enforcement or FBI, why are they not coming up with a application or a system, you know, by which if there is an active shooting going on like this, you know, at any event, then, you know, uh, just guiding people where to go, how to go so that, you know, it's easier because most of the people are not aware of what to do. They start running around. They just don't know how to protect themselves during that active, you know, shootout. So uh, I think, you know, law enforcement, uh, irrespective of whether it's, uh, you know, cops or FBI or intelligence agencies, I think they need to work together and come up with some effective applications, framework, structured, you know, uh, system where they can make this easier for, you know, people because they have to guide, they have to take a lead here. If they come up with, you know, good applications, and I'm sure it's not hard for, you know, uh, with the resources they have to come up with an application like that, that any event is happening. First time, you know, someone mentions on Twitter that this is happening, they should quickly uh, reach, you know, start sending out the messages that this is what you should do, you know, stay calm, don't be afraid start, you know, taking these, these, these steps, it becomes, it makes it so much easier. And we are just talking about this, you know, events right now, but we have to do the same thing for cyberspace also, because all these different kinds of cyber attacks, people are not used to what to do. And they every day, like we have been talking, you know, the attacks and the nature of attack and form of attack is changing. So people just don't know what to do, but irrespective of whether they are seasoned professional. So I think agencies, law enforcement agencies, have to take a bigger role here. So I hope that, you know, uh, they listen to this and they come up with some effective way to uh, create and platform and prepare and integrate it with, you know, everyone, you know, so that it's easier for uh, individuals or, you know, anybody who is attending this kind of event or if you are in home also, if you are under attack, what to do. That is something, you know, that... Uh, Education is necessary. So do you see any initiative like that that is uh, in plan? Well, again, uh, you know, I certainly respect your opinion. I spent 21 years in law enforcement, even though I retired in 2011, transitioning now as a consultant, as a subject matter expert. Law enforcement also needs our help. They need security leaders. They need families because we could have the biggest law enforcement agency in the country. That's the combination of public-private partnerships. Sure. We have contract security. So they do the best they can with the resources that they do have. They're under a tremendous amount of stress. They're having retention and you know issues, obviously, um, but it's those public-private partnerships. 
It's sharing the information. Again, everybody working together. I always say about stadiums, an educated fan is a safe fan. If the fans look at the codes of conduct, you mentioned earlier mass, mass notifications via you know, Twitter and things like that, but having you know, uh, SMS text messages, you know, sharing that information. I teach for Tulane. Even though I work remotely in Raleigh, I get text messages when they have inclement weather. So it's very, very important, even though I'm not physically on campus, that I'm part of their communications network if there's inclement and severe weather. So certainly as we head in, you know, obviously we're in July now, but we get into August, September, October, we look at severe weather and we utilize technology, right, in terms of sharing information uh, in those types of scenarios. So again, I respect your point, but at the same time, I know that law enforcement is having a tough time, you know, doing what they can do. They do put out a lot of fires for us with these, you know, fusion centers, but we also need to take it upon ourselves if we see something that looks out of the ordinary. Even if we're a parent and one of our children is having a difficult time and they're attending a local university, as what happened here recently at North Carolina State University, as an example. Uh, one of the students was having a difficult time. The mother had contacted campus police and they were able to you know, go to the student's car and they found kind of an arsenal of weapons. Thank goodness mom came forward and shared that information because again, that could be a situation where if mom doesn't make that phone call, we could have an active shooter, active uh, situation on that campus. We had a shooting at UNC Charlotte just recently. So regardless of the vertical that we're entrusted to protect, again, it could be higher education, it could be places of worship. As you've mentioned earlier, you know, your, your background in cyber, you know, we get into the hotter and colder months, we have to be cognizant of you know, facilities related issues, brownouts. Uh, just last week, they had a blackout in New York City. So again, you know, when you're in these, uh, obviously these densely populated metropolitan areas, how that's going to affect uh, you know, obviously railways and airports and, and drones, as an example, you know, errant drones. So the constant ebb and flow, it's, a, you know, it's ever evolving, as I've mentioned. So I think it's, it's just the American public coming together. You know, uh, we have, unfortunately, we have these discussions after really tragic things happen. So if we can share the information, get out in front, you know, the world is, is contentious. You know, people want to express their opinions. You know, if there is an active shooter situation, people talk about gun control. They talk about mental health and mm -hmm. people want to be right for their own individual reasons. And I respect their opinions. But at the same time, if we're too busy pointing fingers at one another and not coming up with tangible, concrete solutions to eradicate these problems, again, they're going to continue to happen. So these kinds of conversations, getting out, training, proactive risk mitigation, tabletop exercises, simulations, the public becoming more aware of their immediate surroundings when they're out in public places, joint, you know, partnerships uh, between law enforcement, obviously, you know, the feds and also the American public sharing information, you know, again, working things out in a timely manner gets us all on the same page to, to best deal with these types of challenges. Absolutely. Everyone has to collaborate. There is no doubt about that. And that is, I think the social media is playing an important role here, which is they are giving us a platform that everyone can communicate, share. I mean, irrespective of whether it's Facebook or Twitter, that is helpful, you know, and individuals are able to share and communicate in real time. So that is a good, you know, thing. And here I, I hear you on that, that, you know, law enforcement and everybody is overwhelmed right now. You know, it's too much going on and they, they, nobody has enough resources. So, yes, it is a challenge. But I think, you know, it is time as the 
nature of challenges becomes more and more complex, we'll have to come together and put together a structured, you know, framework and effort, which would make it easier. You know, once we have everything defined properly and we have effective processes, I think it will become easier for everyone, individuals, as well as, you know, law enforcement. And uh, as we have been talking since the beginning, that yes, public partnership, public-private partnership is absolutely essential. We all have responsibility for our own security. So we cannot just depend that, yes, you know, law enforcement will take care of this, you know, if something happens. That we no longer live in that kind of society where, you know, they will be able to take care of all the problems because the nature, number of problems are so many and the number of uh, law enforcement officials are not that many. So, yes, we all have to do our part. And I'm glad that... Uh, you are, you know, doing your part by writing the books, by creating education awareness, by teaching. Uh, so what would, having said that, what would you like to tell our global viewers and listeners about your new book? Uh, what's your plan and where can they, you know, buy it? Uh, and, you know, if you will, if you're writing any other books, if you want to share any other information. Thank you so much. Just, I just wanted to go back to one thing also. Let's be cognizant of the fact that the bad actors, the unscrupulous actors are also doing, you know, their reconnaissance. They're doing their homework. And they're seeing exactly how long it's taking for law enforcement to get down on the scene. So they're on the outside looking in and they're studying everything, trying to counteract our initiatives, things that we're doing right now. So we need to be mindful that they're studying and they're planning and not to be fearful of that, but to be, to be cognizant of the fact that just as we're doing our homework, they're doing their homework. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if the, if the American public can kind of get up to speed in terms of what they need to do, places them in a good position. Again, thank you. Uh, regarding the book. It's become a bestseller. Certainly with your help, we reach a larger audience. I've been out in Las Vegas and Charlotte. You know, I've been in New York talking about the book. Uh, people say to me, James, you should write another book. That's very, very encouraging. Um, but at the same time, you know, this is just one part of the, you know, one piece of the puzzle, if you will. It's 82 pages long. Um, it's a bestseller. It's what's your plan? Again, a step-by-step -step guide to keep your family safe during emergency situations. Uh, we're on Amazon, we're on Goodreads, we're, we're on consignment here in the Raleigh area, but I'm going to continue to do my, my part with leaders like yourself, trying to get this message to the national media about the importance. Again, we understand motive, but let's get past that conversation. Let's talk about education and empowerment and awareness. Let's get the American public on board with this kind of conversation, not only here, but also on a national level on what they're going to do when faced with the true emergency situation. So again, we're on Amazon. Uh, jamesadameo.com. It's a terrific conversation. Certainly really like what you're doing in the Houston area. I'm here in Raleigh, but certainly effective communications, collaborations, getting past the fear factor, continuing to learn, lessons learned, best practices, sharing information, you know, obviously with, with our partners in the security industry. Again, I'm working with higher education. Distance learning is a big, big way now that we're, we're getting that message out. But, you know, the ability to, to have these conversations, to educate, to know exactly what we're going to do, again, places us in a good position. So I'm honored to have this conversation with you yet one more time. Here we are a year or two later. Unfortunately, things have gotten a lot worse. But when we utilize technology to our advantage, when we utilize, you know, the ability to, you know, share information with key stakeholders, again, IT, physical security, access control, CC television, there is just so much you and I know. There's so much out there. I, Two conversations this morning, uh, you know, again, with artificial intelligence, 
certainly biometrics, as I mentioned earlier, iris scans, fast pass lanes, with the, which they're using uh, within stadiums, venues, and arenas at the professional levels, again, to push folks through safely uh, and expeditiously, uh, expeditiously to prevent those choke points and bottlenecks, and also remembering on the egress when fans do leave on how to have them safely exit, you know, within a timely manner. So certainly honored to have your, you know, your trust and confidence. Uh, looking forward to continued collaborations. Again, it's What's Your Plan? Uh, it's eight chapters long. It covers all eight security, well, multiple security verticals, but it, it's written for families, not so much for security practitioners. It's written for moms and dads and families on knowing exactly what, what they're going to do, places of worship, sporting venues. Again, obviously, you're at the mall. It could be a carnival, a festival, wherever you find yourself in your family. Going over the, uh, the exercise action list, there's a glossary in the back that gives you some of the terms that we're talking about now to kind of break it down for families on, you know, getting their uh, education up to speed in terms of their own situational awareness on what they're going to do when faced with true emergency situations. Yes, absolutely. And that is a great advice, James. Thank you so much. So Risk Roundup, a global initiative launched by Risk Group, is a security risk reporting for risk emerging from existing and emerging technologies technology conversions and transformation happening across cyberspace, aquaspace, geospace, and space. We at Risk Group believe that risk management, security, and peace, they walk together hand in hand. Though security is related to management of threats and peace to the management of conflict, risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict. And it's not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two. All three concepts feed into each other. We believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is secure for everyone across nations. Tradition becomes our security. So if we build a culture of managing risk effectively, it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace. Let's manage the existing and emerging risks together. For more information on the risk roundups, to watch the risk roundup video or your podcast, please go to riskgroupllc.com and do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jayshree, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.